Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Surreyor Global Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by FBL Chef, You'll Never Walk Alone and myself, High B Index. So again, unfortunately this week, Chef's not going to be able to, to join us. His, his work is extremely busy at, at the moment. Um, so we've brought in a, a replacement. Tom CFI is back. Good to, to get Tom back on the show. So this week... Of course, we're, we're going to talk about that huge event that was Bayern being added to the platform. We're going to look at some of our observations this week. So looking um, at the Ethereum price movements and also market trends. And we'll look at how to value a player. Um, then going to, to look at goalkeepers. So Mark, we, we had the, the Bayern announcement last week. And I think it's fair to say it was quite an, an insane day. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was certainly looking at the, the auction pages all day long. How did you find it? Um, yeah, uh, it took me a day to uh, recover sleep-wise afterwards. I think <laughs> yeah, it, I like, like, like many, I was glued to the screen from... It was an early announcement. It came out UK time. came out, what, 8 o'clock in the morning? Did give a few hours till the first auction expired at midday. And, uh, yeah, it didn't disappoint. I think, you know, leading up to the uh, the day, I'm not sure, but there was you know, two, 300... Twitter guesses so you know the social media side of things has really picked up now I remember when we used to have club launches that might attract 30 40 50 guesses um, but yeah Bayern Munich I mean hot on the hills of Paris Saint-Germain just a few weeks back Juventus Atletico I think the top end of the uh, the clubs and players that are available now on this platform is really starting to take shape and uh, yeah I th- you could see there's you know fans of buying joining um there's a, there's a a guy that i recently recognized from discord dominic who's getting more and more active in the channel and uh, he proudly showed off the uh, uh, players that he bought throughout the course of the afternoon he's gone in he's got himself a navri asane martinez pavard goretzka davis and a couple of the younger um reserves as well so yeah and it's great to see players people like that that are now waiting for perhaps their team to join the platform and going, you know what, I've dabbled a bit here. I've got, you know, he's obviously got Asian players, American players, other European players. But when it's your team that hits the platform, uh, I, I can't, I can't yeah. imagine yet because you know, we haven't had Liverpool. Um, but when or it's hips. your team, it, it must be a real buzz. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. And there's a few other managers I've, I've seen who have clearly joined um, Bayern fans or, or German football fans and, and found that buzz of, of getting in on those auctions on the day. But yeah, Tom, welcome. Welcome to the, the pod again. Glad to, to have you back. And yeah, let, let's get straight into talking about your your Bayern purchases because I, I saw you, you tweeted out that you purchased a, a whole team. I did. Well, first of all, I was really happy with how they uh, how they implemented it, actually, because I know with with PSG, um, you could actually see that they minted the cards the night before. And this there was some genuine suspense. And and the way that I certainly found out, and I think most people did, was through the direct announcement. So I thought that was a a real step in the right direction and uh, and a nice nice element. Yeah, I I mean, I obviously looked at this and I was not particularly looking at any holes in my gallery. But after Bayern were announced, I was looking at this and thinking, you know, this is perhaps barring Liverpool. I'm biased, but um, the best team in Europe, probably the world. And who can I get involved with to make sure that I've got a competitive collection 
featuring those players going forward for for years to come. So yeah, I've I've gone with a Neuer, fairly pricey, but I think pretty much undisputedly the the best keeper that you're going to get on here. And I've already got an Alexander Nubel as well, uh, one of the old Schalke cards. And then I've managed to get Alfonso Davies, you know, 19, 20 years old, what a player he's going to be. Uh, I've managed to get probably the highlight of them all, the one out of 100, Joshua Kimmich. When I put that bid in, I was certainly looking at Mbappe going for four and a half ETH the day before and thinking, you know, 2.8, is that going to get anywhere near? And then I won it and I was I was fairly surprised. And I, I know obviously he's, he's out until January, maybe February, you know, knee injuries might take a while. But yeah, absolutely delighted with that purchase. And then I added yep. a, a Sane and a, and a Sula on top of that. So yeah, a very, very successful day. I was not expecting to end up with an entire team. Yeah, some some nice purchases. And as you said, it was interesting that Kimmich price because we, we were obviously talking during the day about it and about 40 seconds before you, you won it, I was about to, to bid for the player and noticed it was you that was leading that. So being the gentleman I, I was... You gave, I, you, gave I, him, you gave him a period of grace. I, I did, yeah. So I was, I was being nice, but I, I did expect there to be quite a few more bids. Yeah, there. I wonder what would have happened to the rest of those prices, uh, the rest of the Kimmich prices, if you had have gone, say, one more. Yeah. Uh, and then I had gone one more on top of that and it had gone for close to, you know, three and a half. How close to three and a half would we have seen the rest of those Kimmiches go for? I think uh, the answer is we would is. have seen them all go for three and a half. Yeah, I think, I think you, know, so. you and I were following the Kimmich auctions all afternoon. Yeah. And, you know, you, you couldn't go in at 2.2 because then that left the gap for someone to go in at 2.5. It's incredible how the one of 100 sort of like unlocks, you know, the that's the price now for that card. And mm. everybody follows. And without exception, it seems, it's like, well, that was the price. So, yeah. you know, I can't be wrong paying that up, up to that level. And it's it just fascinates me. It fascinates me as well. And the thing that is really interesting is that what you get gradually is the one out of 100 sets a precedent. The two normally goes for slightly less, the three as well. And then you get this gradual, the FOMO kicks in and it starts creeping back up. And sometimes by the time you get to five, six, and even seven in these buy-in auctions, you get slightly above even what the one went for as people think, oh, actually, hang on, maybe he is worth that. Or there's only three left. I mean, the PSG and I think most um, relaunches uh, tends to only have five, possibly six yeah. versions of every player. But, but this uh, is it was interesting. Yeah, the buy-in one's eight or nine in some cases, I think, of some of these players. Yeah, which I think I think was good. I think it definitely kept prices... Uh, a little bit more even, especially considering what some of the the PSG, particularly the special editions, you know, had, had really set a precedent for for these really really high rare prices. And I think just seeing those eight, you had a lot of managers thinking, oh well, I'm, I'll wait for this one. And we we ended up with some some quite nice even prices, I would say, throughout the day, albeit high, but uh, but worth it. I, I think so. Yeah, I think they're they're a, a huge club, aren't they? They're always at the, the latter stages of the Champions League. They're, they're dominating domestically. So it was always quite clear that they were going to go for, for premium prices. I've just had a, a quick look to, at some of the, the higher priced ones, so some of the super rares. So we've got uh, Lewandowski, unique, I believe, but the, the super rares that went on the, the launch day, we had a, a sixth and seventh highest priced super rare um, sale. So Lewandowski going for 8.33 ETH and a Kimmich going for 8.25. So some big, big prices, but 
I'm scrolling down through some of the other players there, and yeah, they look like pretty decent value buys in, in comparison to some of the other uniques that are, are maybe there. So, yeah, I'm sure those managers are going to be very happy with with those. Yeah, Mark, how are you feeling about that Lewandowski? Uh, obviously, we'll know by the time this podcast goes out, that will have been been long gone. What What are your thoughts on the on the Lewandowski? You, I think we're going to see some of the usual suspects getting involved. Fortunately, uh, having picked up the super rare, uh, I can honestly say I'll be abstaining unless it's unless it says really cheap and uh, I can sneak a bit in and the, and the site crashes. But uh, no, I think the the unique is a fantastic card. You know, if he's he's just turned thirty two in real life, okay, he might not be the cyborg that Ronaldo is, but you'd like to think he's got a strong two or three seasons left in him. I think uh, he, Bayern won't want him to leave. He seems pretty resilient. They don't tend to rotate him. And you'd like to think that he's going to keep banging in the goals. There's nothing to suggest he won't, at least for uh, uh, the foreseeable future. So I see him as a, a great card. The reason I went for the Super Rare, I mean, there was a classic battle between uh, Mr. Karupu and uh, Zarar for the uh, one of uh, 100. And being able to, I say snag, being able to snag the Super Rare for only twice the price of the one of 100, I thought was good business. And overall, I thought when you look at some of the ways, some of the prices of the Super Rares that sold on the opening day, the fact that it were only in some cases two and a half, three times what the early Rare cards were going for, I found that very surprising. Yeah, I think the thing about Lewandowski as well is that they don't really, I mean, no disrespect to uh, Moting, but uh, he's he's not going to going to oust Lewandowski from the team anytime soon is he and they don't really have have anyone else there uh and he's pretty much guaranteed if he's going to be fit in any big game you can start him and the way that Bayern play even against good opposition in Champions League or the league you can throw the captain on him and I'm just looking at his his last 40 games average is 70 out of 100 and that includes a couple of times coming off the bench and getting 20s 30s so very very solid acquisition it is absolutely frightening. I, I always remember, so I, I've got a soft spot for, for Lewandowski. I'm not, clearly not getting involved in these super rare or, or unique auctions, but he was someone I used to always pick up in Football Manager back in, in the early days. You'd be able to get him to Hibs from Lake Poznan, Poznan for like 700,000, I'm sure it was. It was <laughs> a, a ridiculously small amount. I used to always be able to get him and he always turned into this beast of a, a striker as he actually has done in real life. And he's just somebody at that peak of his career, isn't he? He's, he's only 31. And he's clearly got quite a few good years ahead of him at that top, top level. Yeah, definitely. I was going to throw out a bit of uh, Lewandowski random trivia. Do you remember when, when he nearly signed for Blackburn? I think it was about four or five million. It was when, um, do you remember when the, the volcano in Iceland erupted and they stopped all the flights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was literally down to fear greed. He was going from Poznan to Blackburn and uh, Sam Allardyce, it was definitely, I remember. Uh, and, and his flight got cancelled and then Dortmund came in for him a week later or something. Yeah, I'm just looking at a Sport Bible article on that. The volcano prevented Lewandowski joining Blackburn. Wow. Amazing story. Nice. Nice. But uh, yeah, he is a a ridiculous player. And I don't see his scoring record um, slowing down anytime soon. 
But the beauty of Bayern is that they're just not a one-man team. I mean, we really enjoyed the PSG and, you know, I think quite rightly so, Neymar and Mbappe have taken the limelight from day one and you don't really tend to get many other mentions. Maybe Navas, he's had a good couple of games since uh, since the launch. Marquinhos, I know they've been injury-struck as well uh, throughout the team. But when you look at Bayern and when you looked at the auctions on, on the opening day, it's just superstar after superstar after superstar. And I think on the grander scale of things, you know, whilst Juventus was a big uh, coup for the platform, Atletico Madrid, then PSG, you know, this this is, I think, again, another step up. You, know, you can argue that Mbappe is a better player than maybe anyone in, real, in, in, in Bayern Munich. But as a team, as a collective, I mean, it's, it's just a huge, huge uh, coup for the platform. Yeah, I, I think if you're any of the other big clubs as well, you know, your Dortmunds or or your Liverpools or whoever, uh, even your Real Madrid's Barcelona's, looking at that proposition and seeing that not only are there Juventus, etc., but also now Bayern, just gives a massive amount of, of credibility. And hopefully we see some more German clubs, you know, Leipzig, Dortmund, there's some real, real talent in Germany at the moment. It'd be fantastic to see some of those on there as well. Especially if you have Bayern coming on and you, you maybe get a lot of new users, new eyes on the platform off the back of that to then roll out a, a few other German clubs. I think that would be a, a great move. And yeah, I certainly enjoy that league quite a lot. So I'm biased. Don't forget maybe. about uh, Union Berlin as well. We'll be able to get a new print of uh, Taiwo Awani and of course, uh, Lorius <laughs> Karius. Yeah, well, you you surely don't want that. You surely want to want to keep him as as one of the only managers that own him. Oh, I've got a Ghent version, I've got a Muskran version, a Union Berlin version won't make any difference. Spread the love with Taiwo. Yeah, the but other, that's a, a fair point that um, you wouldn't want that to happen. So I think there's something I noticed today. There was the, the Real Betis players. So there was a, a couple of rare cards that seemed to, to go up for, for auction. And there was a, a lot of excitement from, from managers there thinking, oh, they've got a, a few misprints because, yeah, they... They've got an agreement in place that there, there won't be any rare cards there. So um, I actually have the, the only real Betis rare card. No, you don't. Danny Martin? Did you no, get no, no, there's not. There's well. a goalkeeper so, out there as well. No, so there's, yes, but he doesn't have a, a green and white strip. So the, the green and white on red, um, especially being a, a Hibs fan, obviously that's a, a, a nice little... Nice little card there, but Alfonso Pedraza, I managed to, to get the, the one out of 100 there. But when I seen that happening today, I'm thinking, well, that's not great, because he is the only card that, you know, that, that only misprint there. If they had misprinted another 40 or, or so, that then devalues that card that I have. So, Well, I'm hoping that uh, Thomas Roberts goes to goes to Hibs, Hybe, and then you'll have to uh, make me a very compelling offer. So I've I've tried I've tried around a, a few other managers and he is somebody that I, I, I do want. So Tom, I think we're going to have to to do some deal. I think I think he'll be a real real premium. Mate. That move from uh, from Dallas to to Hibernian will carry a real real premium with it. I will it? Will it? Yeah. So I, I know the standard of Hibernian. So I, I know how I should actually value these players. Well, it's interesting to hear you guys going backwards and forwards about the. Uh, whenever there's a potential or misprint or something or, you know, a transfer, because ordinarily these cards that we've been discussing, these are, you know, these are standard cards that you can more often than not just make an offer to a manager. And if it's fair, they're, they're likely to accept. But as soon as you add in a little bit of another variable, uh, all of a sudden a 10 pound card becomes a hundred pound card. <laughs> 
a bit of trivia for you on that. There's a uh, Paxton Pomacal, who's also at Dallas. He's another youngster at Dallas. Oh, really the wrong photo, yeah. With, with no, not just the wrong photo, but with a Thomas Roberts photo. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, Hybe, you could, you could have, I think Pomacal's a, a much stronger prospect than Roberts. So maybe you could get his face, a Hibernian face, on a card <laughs> that actually might score some points as well. Oh, no, that's actually sitting idea. with uh, Adrian on the Serrera account. So I think that one has been taken <laughs> off the market. Yeah, I mean, seriously, though, do we do we think that Miss Brint will actually carry any kind of real value to a collector going forward? I do. I think um, we're, we're quite away from really seeing that. Uh, although the, there are people who are already valuing cards more, whether it's sentimentally or, or for, you know, a, a bit more more money when they're they're going to trade them on. But I think this is a, a huge untapped market. And as this platform grows, it beco- this becomes more of a, an element within it. Um, we're, we're not there yet and we won't see that for, for a long time. But you see it in, in other traditional markets, um, huge, huge prices going for, for cars that are, have maybe got a misprint or are a special series or that unique card. So that, that one, out of a, one out of 10 Kimmich um, or that one out of 100 Kimmich that you've you've picked up, potentially, yeah. Yeah, I certainly do agree on the on the collectible side. Obviously, I've been looking at the the Liquid Dreams, which we'll talk about in in a bit as well. But in terms of a of a misprint, I don't particularly see what value that adds. I mean, Maxwell Corne had his entire 2019-20 cards printed with with his name misspelled. I don't see that, that particularly adds any value, and of course, it doesn't add any utility either. I think I think there's I think you're both right in in in, in the fact that we're nowhere near uh, a market that's mature enough, uh, and the and we only know one thing, which at the moment, which is to play SO5. But I mean, I've 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 picked up a couple of misprints. Taiwo is a misprint. His very first card, he came out in a Muskran shirt with a Ghent badge in the corner because that season he actually had two loans from Liverpool to the Belgian league first half of the season he was on loan at Ghent second half of the season he was on loan at Muskran and then the famous ones or I think some of the most famous ones there's I think six or seven Juventus misprints when they first came out and you you can go and find badges where you've got the majority are white badges on the on the white on the red and blue backgrounds and then there are seven, six or seven players that have a black Juventus badge in the corner as well. So there are little things like that. But yeah, is someone going to suddenly go and pay through the nose for, for something like that? I certainly can't see it happening for the foreseeable. Yeah, I mean, I certainly love the idea of collectibles. I, I really, really like the idea of um, being able to win cards that you can't necessarily buy at auction. Not in terms of utility, just in terms of the, the design. I think that would be really a satisfying potential. I think with the, with the Liquid Dreams as well, the people that I've bought there will be players that I would have bought anyway and I'm happy to pay a, a slight premium on them because I think they look great and potentially will will carry a lot of collectible value in the future as well that's it and I, I think yeah going on going on to those, those cards the ones you've, you've picked up as you said you you paid a, a small premium compared to, to what their average cards normally going for at auction but as you said, you've still got the utility in these players. You think there's probably value at that price point and in the future if there's a demand for those collectible items. Yeah, well, I've picked up three so far. I've picked up uh, Victor Osman, who was the first one. Um, nice. And perhaps I actually went in 
too high on that. I, I was sort of basing it on these PSG limited editions and the fact that they went for well over what their regular rares were going for. And I went in straight away, straight off with a with a one ETH bid and, and it won. And I, th- I think I was then left wondering, oh, did I go in way too high on that? Regardless, I Osman's what, 21 now. I'm more than happy to hold that card for the next 10 years. And in reality, that one ETH is, is probably very good value, collectible or not. However, it probably is twice what he's going for uh, or maybe a, li- a little bit more than that on the market. I've got uh, Immobile as well, who I, I definitely needed that as a premium European champion forward. You know, I had Bamba, Morata, but I could definitely have done with an upgrade there. And then actually I picked up a, a Horvath, the, the Bruges reserve keeper at the moment, for 0.05 ETH. So that's about what he's going for auction anyway. So I was very happy with that as a yeah, it was nice. edition version. I, I'm, I really think that he's got potential to get into the US national team. Um, it seems sort of like a 50-50 chance going forward, whether it's him or, or Stefan at the moment. So um, yeah, I was I was particularly happy with that pickup actually. Very yeah, these nice. cards are quite interesting. That's a great pickup, the 0.05. I think uh, my, my favorite so far. I missed out on uh, all of the uh, Day and Lovren so far. So uh, he was my pick. And, uh, and the 52-year-old uh, Kazu Miura from, uh, from Japan. Uh, I, I won him. And, uh, and I was really perplexed to see someone popping into my rewards with an age of 53, 54. <laughs> what, what's going on here? Um, and I, I thought, right, I better sell him. And then I looked at who he was. I hadn't heard of him. And uh, and I realised that you know he's he's particularly iconic in Japan, and there was no way that I was. I had a couple of offers since, and I, I'm definitely sitting tight on that card because in reality he's going to be retiring fairly soon. Um, I can't see how anyone in the world of football is ever going to play as long as this guy. Simple as that. Yeah. King Kazu, what what an absolute legend! Last day of the season, I'm 100% throwing him in my Asian division and uh, captaining him because they they've they've got to give him a run out. If they win a penalty, you know who's taking it. Oh, exactly. That'll be quality. Well, he played uh, two nights ago, didn't he? Against Iniesta. There's some great photos online of them um, meeting beforehand, exchanging shirts. And uh, so, I couldn't uh, believe that I hadn't heard of him before. I think he's come off the bench the last two games. He, uh, he's he's what an absolute machine to be playing professional football. At, I think what is he? Fifty three. Yeah, a legend of the of the game, and and there, there will be these outliers, these cards that are, are probably collectors' items more than utility items. Well, the next player of the month is going to be Vanaken, isn't it, according to the vote? So the Twitter vote is closed is and Vanaken won the vote. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be coming up at auction, but I would imagine it will be coming up soon. So it'll be interesting to see the second one. Yeah. And also we've got a Liquid Dream version of Vanaken as well coming up. So we've got two limited edition Vanakens. So I'll, I'll be interested to see the price comparison there. I'm, I'm kind of interested in generally a price comparison because I don't know whether these are going for a a little bit less just based on the fact that you can only buy them from OpenSea and therefore fewer traders are, are sort of clued up on that and monitoring uh, the sales daily. Whereas with that that crazy, crazy PSG 50th anniversary power hour, which just every single rare went for an absolutely crazy price, these in comparison seem to be much, much closer to their regular value, if you like. But I also think that's a ref- indicative of the design as well. I mean, as much as this design is nice, at the end of the day, it's not for a special occasion. It's just a design. 
uh, in this, and when the PSG ones came out, we've had West Ham 40th anniversary cards. Uh, we've got the ones which are am ambassador special edition cards as well. I think for me personally, out of all the special editions, they actually are pegged to something, an event or, or having done something. Uh, these ones just happen to be, you know, they're nice, but they're just a slightly different design. If you've got a player of the month or we end up getting things like man of the match cards, you know, they are going to be tied to, you know, a performance that you will look back on and go, yeah, this guy got a hat trick on that day. And that's why he was given this, or this guy got an average of 90 through the month of December. And hence he was chosen to be, you know, player of the month. And that's for everyone to see. Whereas this is a nice design, 27 special cards. I personally wouldn't put these in the same bracket as I say some of the other collections that we've, we've seen so far. I think you're right. I think they yeah, won't have fair. the same appeal to the specific fans of those clubs you're 100% right if you're whatever if you're if you're a Bruges fan and and you've seen Vignacan have a fantastic fantastic month there's more incentive there to pick up a player of the month uh card special edition as opposed to just a liquid dream that as you say is not tied to any particular event but I think the other thing as well just to cap off this section on these special cards is that you will find that they will unlock maybe the ability for you to trade with other managers, perhaps far easier than mm. maybe other cards. There will come a day, no doubt, that we all would like a card that we see on someone else's collection. And at that point, you know, when you approach that manager and say, right, that's a card I'm interested, you know, can we do a deal? If the counter comes back and says, yes, but I'd like your liquid dream Immobile or I'd like your liquid dream Osman, it, you probably, you know, it might be a tough decision. You know, you might have to make a sacrifice, um, but you've probably at least got that chance of getting the card you want from another manager. Whereas anyone else that doesn't have a, a special edition card that might interest, you know, there's you're going to come to a stalemate. Uh, absolutely. So I think we're, we've already touched on to, to some of the observations we were going to look at. And I think that the next one we want to talk about briefly was Ethereum movements, because there has been quite a, a few rises over the last few weeks and well, certainly over, over the last year. So I think as it stands, ETH is about £350 for an ETH. Um, it was about 145 a year ago, 295 a month ago. So yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing rises there. And I know I get questions and into my direct messages on Twitter asking about that. What does that, that mean for Surreal and maybe why is it happening? And I'm certainly certainly no expert in this space. So, yeah, I think I wanted to just quickly touch upon the fact that why the Ethereum movements in price don't necessarily make that much of a difference to how you value players within your portfolio. So... I, I maybe pick up a, a player that costs me £200, and that £200 is 0.5 ETH at the time, for example. In six months' time, that player's maybe had great form. I now value him as a £300 player in my head. So ETH potentially has risen at that point. I still I value this player at £300. I'll, I'll look to get the equivalent amount of Ethereum back for that player that, that gets me that £300. Whether that's more or, or less, depending on how, how ETH has moved at that particular time, is, is kind of irrelevant. Um, so I know obviously there's, there's lots of different angles and there's people playing different games on here, but I think you, you can separate 
the valuation of your players from the short-term intraday price movements of Ethereum? Well, I think since I've joined, obviously, um, I joined right at the end of June, first couple of days of, of July, and prices have, have significantly increased. But I think more than the price of Ethereum, because ETH was roughly £180, uh, and it's now obviously okay. almost doubled. And I'd say that actually, typically, prices have about doubled as well. But I think it's more down to the the user base has almost doubled in that time as well. When I joined, I think it was 450 users had had 10 cards or more, and now we're, we're over a thousand. So that is definitely what is driving prices up more than the price of Ethereum. However, now that we've got increased ETH payments, I think it can only be a good thing for the platform when you've got you know one, two, and three in the podium. Uh, are getting paid out um, and also just those uh, 0.02 or 0.01 little payments from your global division the higher the price of ETH uh, the more that drives up the the sort of bottom end of the market as well however I think you're absolutely right the majority not all but the majority of managers will be predominantly focused on on the, the fiat currency value and I certainly am I'll just add a, a contrary opinion there because I, I agree with you guys uh, and I think in six to 12 months it will be the norm but I think in, it'll take a bit longer because we still haven't got enough cards in circulation we still haven't got a strong enough or a stable and uh, a mature enough user base and when there's only one or two of a given card on a market at any given moment and quite often you know we'll only have one super rare of a card you know, people are going to price their cards in the way that's favorable to them. And yes, we did start with 30 beta testers that were all crypto based and crypto experienced. And some of them had football experience. And we've moved now towards a database of users, which I would say is now shifted more towards pure football fans that may be minor in crypto as opposed to people majoring in crypto and minoring in football. And I'm sure that will be diluted even more in six to 12 months and people coming in with their budget of X pounds will go, right, I'll spend that X pounds. And if I'm looking to sell my player, I want X pounds more for it. But right now, I think prices are more determined by what others around you are doing. Yes, that might have influence from, you know, what's the exchange rate between ETH and the fiat currency. But the way I would price my cards now is more in line with the market. Even now at 350 versus where we were a few weeks ago at 300 or 250 to the pound, I've not adjusted my prices. I would say anything in line with the um, gains that have been made by Ethereum over the last month. Uh, if anything, I've probably tried to hold steady. I'm only coming down in price when I see others around me chipping off a bit here and there and so I feel okay well I still need to be competitive or this card's a duplicate I can afford to sell them a little bit cheaper it's more market forces that are determining my valuations not where Ethereum is versus the pound yeah I think the club that I'm uh, they might well be out by the time this goes out uh, the club that I'm really interested to see from this point of view is actually Atletico Madrid because we haven't seen their 2020 cards yet and a lot of people tend to go on the the sort of average valuation that Sora data makes it very very easy for us to see um, but obviously auctions for those players predominantly really dried up in sort of June and then July maybe and so we've had quite a bit of a gap where both the user base has grown and Ethereum has rocketed um, and I'm, I'm quite interested to see how 
therefore people value based on their average previous prices in ethereum and and compare that to the fiat prices that we have today a hundred percent i had a similar i had an inquiry today i got i won an arnold bodart super rare and uh i'm looking at what i can price at and when you look back at bodart's auction history which basically stops in april because he was one of the cards in 2019 that quickly reached his 100 rares, 10 super rares, and the unique. So he actually had a time on the market. I'm looking at it now from April, 17th of April was his unique auction, went for 6.4. His subsequent 2020 version went for 18.7. But then his first rare of this current season came out on the 8th of September. So he had near as five months of not being on the auction. Now, if you take his super rare prices from last year, which were 0 0.77, 0 0.5, 0 0.65, 0 0.3 even. Someone's got a real steal there. And then you look at the only two auctions that he's had this season, 2.2 and 2.3. When you look at Sarah data and it tells you that the average is you know, 1.9, well, it's not really 1.9, is it? Because that's uh, taking into consideration quite a lot of old data there. So, uh, yeah, if you only look at Sarah data and at a glance, and as you said, Tom, the Atletico guys, some of them are going to look crazy cheap. But I would like to think that uh, with the ETH price now, with what we've seen from PSG, Juventus, people know what the premium cards are selling for now. I think the first few versions will, will hopefully have prices of their own, less influenced by you know what we see on Sarah data. It's also probably worth pointing out the profile of managers. You mentioned it briefly there about the, the initial batch, crypto predominantly focused with a, a hint of football. And then we've had a, an influx of users from, from other platforms that are, are really football focused. And I, I think a lot of them are more European team focused as well. So they maybe were not on for those initial Atletico um, auctions. This time they are going to be in. I know myself a lot of the, the newer managers that have joined will, will probably value a lot of those Atletico players quite highly. Um, certainly those that have been stepping up recently in form, like Joe Felix, his unique is going to be an interesting one. Joe Felix Super is probably my biggest regret. I was saying this to, to Mark the other day. Um, really? I let one go in September. I was. It was the day before uh, the two out of ten. Uh, Al Shish auction went up and I let Ajal Felix go for I'm pretty sure it was under 1.6 ETH uh, and I let it go in front of my eyes oh. and I was telling myself well you know I'm going to pick up the two out of ten ideal which I did for about 1.7 yeah. I, I think it was so rare Italia um, picked it up for for under 1.6 and I was the bid before and what an absolute steal that looks now with his form as well yeah, it's hard hard to tell at the time though. Thing things do change quite fast. Well, I know, I know. His form has seriously ticked yeah. ticked up, hasn't it? Well, I think there's a there's a wider point as well in that valuations are are so subjective, dependent on what you need at, at that time. I was looking at that at the time and thinking uh, an under twenty three midfielder super rare would probably do me better than than a forward. But I think it really really depends on what position you're in, which divisions that you're targeting. And, and therefore what rewards that you can win with that player really determines, you know, people can have drastically different valuations on a player. It does indeed. And I think we've started to touch on how, how we personally value players. And th this question actually came from 
um, STO a fit in that a concern around keeper effects and I, I think how, how we value players we'll go into the goalkeepers in a, a bit more detail but I think you're, you're absolutely right there Tom um, how we value players will depend on how you approach the game how what what leagues and, and competitions you're targeting what existing players you have so we've all got very different accounts we've got different collections of players and I think certain players would have a different value to, to each of us. So I'll always like to talk about an Mbappé. So let, let's talk about Mbappé unique. So he's somebody that I, I, I'm not going to have a, a, a chance of owning it, I don't believe. But even even if I, I was um, to, to empty the, the bank and, and get him, I don't have the other players that I could surround him with to, to really utilise him effectively. So I would have to, to also buy other players. But just looking at your collection, Mark, you could slot him in immediately and he would upgrade what is already a, a very strong Division One entry. But you say that, though, but I'm looking I, at your I, I collection and you've got 400 cards, Ivy. So, well, you know, I, I if you... don't know about that because you could now play that Mbappe, you know, as soon as we get this new version of the of the divisions, scarcity-based divisions, then then you can be, be playing that in... In Division Two, so I, I'm I don't necessarily think that that's uh I mean not that I think you'll be you'll be shelling out whatever whatever he'll go for a hundred ETH plus probably, um, but you know there's certainly utility for really good uniques even if if you don't have the other uniques yet because you can then win those other uniques albeit they'll be slightly worse than Mbappe of course. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Find them and eventually build up to Division One. So, and and you know that that an Mbappe is is going to give you the chance of winning them. But and and that's fair. I think more what what the point was is is that it's sort of horses for courses, isn't it? Is what what suits your particular style or setup? So you, Tom, you you'll go into to an auction and you'll know that adding that particular super rare. So we've had conversations over the last couple of days about options that you had between a couple of players and and what that would mean for some of your future lineups. So you, you're able to then plan your value or how you value and how, how you approach trying to purchase that player based on, on the fact of what you, you think you can get back from, from that player. And everyone's got slightly different collections, understanding of the game, understanding of, of players and and yeah, different, different valuations of, of different players. So you might have a a soft spot for for Joe Felix. I might have a, a soft spot for Broshman, and and we have sort of slightly different valuations on that that player. That added into how you can use them in your collection is going to see yeah disparities in, in how we see things. Yeah, I think definitely. I think that the only thing is is that everyone that we've touched on so far has been premium players, and that really they're probably going to pay their way in anyone's collection. And it's kind of one tier down. If you look at I've just won an Anton Moranchuk, and and he's of fair value to me because I can then surround him with uh, Grimaldo, Vignacan, Waldschmidt. You know, a, a really really nice collection of challenger players. Whereas if someone else wins him from from the global, say, and they really want to go towards champion, it's definitely worth moving him on and putting that money towards a European champion player that's going to help you compound your your rewards there 
yeah, so it's there'll be different valuation techniques that we use for, for different players. And I think we, we've talked about on the, the last couple of podcasts around the, the new Ether payments being um, given out in Division 4 All-Star, so the, the 0.02 and 0.01 for, for different thresholds being hit. So I think you can as well start to look at valuing players on that basis. So I know certainly some new users have spoken to, to me about that and I've joined off the back of that, being able to, to put together fairly, fairly cheap teams that are able to start winning them back small amounts of ETH there on a weekly, a game week basis. I think the interesting thing is actually that we're really trending towards players in form. And, and that's probably partly to do with the, the 0.02 ETH payout as well. That if you can get a player in form, just even if it's for, you know, two, three weeks and guarantee yourself that payout, that pays back such a massive proportion of, of his price. So I think we're really, really seeing a trend now where, where people are actively looking for the, the guys who are in form. You know, they're, they're searching for them. And, and as soon as one comes, comes onto the market, they're gone. Well, I know it's going to change, but you've captained what the right person that, can get, that gets an 80 score. Then, you know, you've got 15 80s, you're talking 1,200 points. And if your threshold is 1,800 and then 2,200, you've got four players in the tank to get you your last 1,000 points. Yeah. I think we're all, we've all given great arguments for how we value our players, but this is taking into consideration that uh, the marketplace is rational. And um, when it comes to the buzz of the auctions, when it comes to, you know, looking at players which have more meaning to you than perhaps do to others, when it comes to factoring in the scarcity as well, not all outcomes on the marketplace are rational. And, you know, I had an approach this afternoon from someone that said, you know, will you sell your Doku? Will you sell your Delict? And, you know, these are cards that I'm not looking to sell. But the point is that I said, well, looked at one manager's portfolio and suggested, well, rather than spending the ETH on one big signature player, and as you just said there with the Mbappe, if you haven't got the right players to surround them, there's 80 rare Dokus out in existence at the moment, or 79. If you're going to buy my Doku, you know, and you haven't got a team to surround him, you're going to be up against 75-ish teams that probably, let's take 75% of them have got pretty good supporting cast around them. You know, how are you going to recoup the outlay for Doku? Now, let's just say I was going to sell Doku, whether I wanted, you know, three quarters of an ETH for him, whatever it happens to be. For three quarters of an ETH, you could buy right now 25 to 30 cards. Now, yeah, they might not be the most desirable uh, cards in the marketplace. They might not have incredible amounts of resale value. They might just hold their own. They might lose 50%. Who cares? But over a two to three month period, if you're consistently putting in strong teams into the, all of the Division 4s, and you could have quite easily bought European uh, challengers and America's, uh, you could have probably just about got uh, a very basic European champions. You could certainly get an all-star, but three or four teams in division four churning you out, your 0.01, 0.02s and a few cards here and there, at least give yourself a fighting chance of then going to the market in a couple of months and going, right, I'm paying for a docu now with, with no outlay. I'm using all cards and profits that I've built up from those cards. But that's me looking at it with a rational head on. My rational head would be to come in and go, well, hey, this is Yao Felix. That's my first purchase. Bosh, there's, a, there's an ETH. Right, now I need four more cards to make up my first team. And that, in reality, how a lot of people think. There, there is some rational thinking out there, but when there's that player that you really want or it's that you, your club or, yeah, the, 
that sometimes goes right out, out the window. So we, we did have a, a question there that, that touched on, on, on the keepers there on, on Discord. What, what do you guys think about the number that you need for your training squads? How, how important is it to train up all of your players or a vast majority of, of them? Can you leave players to, to almost rot? I think under the new system, that is the last thing you want to do. If you've got a player who's completely surplus and you're never going to be able to get into training, then you either want to sign a, a, a keeper, even if it's a, a DMP, to, to train them up. Um, because w- when you lose that new season bonus, that 5%, uh, they're going to become significantly depreciated in value unless you've made a lot of that up by training them up. So I think that this new system definitely lends itself to sort of quality over quantity. I, as a person with huge, huge quantity at the moment, I've got 550 cards. A lot of the fact based on I want to be able to meet the power cap almost exactly in every division. Uh, I'm looking at targeting sort of in a, in a full weekend, 16 divisions or so. And I want to be able to get to that power cap. But actually, when all is said and done, you know, I, I can now target my absolute best players um, and I can probably get rid of a few of the the surplus there that are only useful because they've either got low power or high power, however you want to look at it. Um, and and it will now transition towards uh, a game where player scores are king and, and obviously it's just scarcity based. So I think that the worst thing you can do is, is have a player and just leave him to rot. You either want to be definitely training him up for the future. I've got no issue with holding a last season card who's who's 20, 21, got potential, training him up for the next couple of years. But I think the worst thing you can probably do is is leave him to rot and then they'll just be usurped by a new season card with a 5% bonus. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, there are obviously going to be exceptions to the rule. You know, you're going to have cards that are have already perhaps retired or already, you know, you're, you've got one eye more on them being a long-term collectible than something that will give you utility. Um, but I think also with what you've said about the new season bonus there, it'll be interesting to see as we go through the season, uh, how that will impact prices as well. Because right now, if you buy a card, you can train that card up to probably level 10, level 12 quite quickly over the course of a season. But if you're buying a first edition or brand new card in, in March, with only a few months to go before the end of the season, you know, again, that 5% is going to be lost within a couple of months. So you're going to have to really make a decision. Is this a card you want? Are you going to be committed to training? I'd even go one stage further and say that the DNP is and can be, you know, a, a killer in training as well. I mean, if, if I have my way and I've always been an advocate of training, I'll be getting keepers in there that play. And, and, and even when I set my training teams now in, in the weeks like we're having where it's only got J-League players, I can tell you now that my Bayern Munich players for this weekend will be with three, possibly four Japanese players. So that uh, if those Japanese players play, then I've got my Kimmich sitting in a team with four people that are getting hopefully 90 minutes and some points. And rather than my Kimmich just waking up on the Tuesday refresh with 75 XP, I'm I'm going to try and squeeze 150, 200, 250 XP in one week into my new players. So I think you can even be strategic with your training. And if you do have the luxury of having, you know, active players that you're not using in tournaments, then you can you can you can prioritize either people that are injured, people that you want to boost up as quickly as possible, and there are ways that you can set your training teams to uh, you know hopefully yield you you know the best possible XP results. 
I definitely agree with that. I think that also you can probably be strategic with how you pick up if you really just need a, your budget only allows you a cheap DMP keeper, perhaps go for someone in the same team uh, as, as a keeper that you've already got, but that is playing. And therefore, if you get a suspension or an injury, that can actually slot into your your first team as well. So I know that I've got uh, Wellenruther um, because I've also got Van Kronbrugger and I, you know, I've, I've obviously just bought Horvath, but if I had Mignolet, I think that would be an even better purchase because if Mignolet, I mean, obviously he had COVID recently um, and I could have put Horvath just straight in. So I think you can also potentially, although it won't get you quite as much XP, if you're on a budget, you can be strategic with, with how you pick up those cheap DMP keepers. Yep, great point. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think keepers are an area you, you need to start looking at um, if you're, you're not already so aware of that and the importance of, of training. I think that a lot of managers who are, are starting to, to see that as being more important, and as you, you touched on there, Tom, with the, the new changes coming in, that potentially becomes becomes more important. Obviously, I, I brought it up, but probably just a counter balance to that is the points that we've made there are probably quite a short-term view in the fact that, yes, that does harm that player, um, harms their utility and probably their, their short-term value. But, Mark, t- take, for example, your vast collection of West Ham players. If you weren't to, to power up some of them, some of those 40th anniversary players, in five years' time, this platform at a much larger place and West Ham fans on here in their in their thousands. Do you think that that really makes it makes much of a difference? So I think there's there's obviously that that to look at the, yeah, the no, short term and, and the long term and individual cards isn't isn't there? Yeah, and and given the choice right now, my West Ham cards are much lower down the pecking order in terms of if I if I need to train people, I'm looking at players that perhaps don't quite make my European Champions team or my under 23 team, and I'm going okay, right, I didn't pick that person in my under 23 team this week, but okay, I still like to try and squeeze him 150, 200 XP given the choice, whereas my Jack Wilshire is not going to be a priority to uh, to to get more than the base level of seventy five. If that's you know, if I can just throw my last five cards together with whatever my last goalkeeper is, you know, that's uh, the 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 lowest preference. And as you said, if I hold on to these cards for two or three years anyway, even at seventy five xp a week, they'll eventually get to level fifteen, twenty, whatever that might be worth in two two to three actual years from now. Um, because it's not like these are the cards I'm planning to trade. I'll build them all up as one, and hopefully, as you say, at some point, there'll be a, a fanatical West Ham collector that comes to the platform, and I can find an exit for that you know, section of my portfolio. One of the other parts we were going to look at was some of the, the social activity, because it's it's really been bubbling upwards over the, the, the last few weeks and months. So I think we've, we started that off with the Surreal Managers World Cup, but there's been lots of stuff going on on Twitter and, and Discord as well. So we've had a, a dot jot and um, putting together some, some nice data showing us the the, the price averages of, of players and, and what their their average SO5 scores are. Some really interesting stuff. And I'm hopeful we get some some other managers who are going to put content like that together. I think that, that brings us to the end of today's Surrey Global Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you guys have found it useful. As always, if you could like, subscribe and leave a review, then we can help introduce the fantastic concept to more users. See you next time.